Welcome to the Forerunner Church Podcast, where we highlight key messages and themes related to the body of Christ, inviting you to connect with our spiritual family as we grow in passion for Jesus and compassion for people. For more information, visit forerunnerchurch.com. Father, we thank you for your presence, even now, Lord, as we come to celebrate the life of Lauren Cunningham. Say thank you for him and Darlene, the remarkable impact and influence you've given them upon the missions movement over the last 63 years. We thank you in Jesus' name. Friday on October 6th, Lauren Cunningham went home to be in the presence of the Lord. I consider Lauren Cunningham to be the most influential man in the missions movement in church history. Big statement. It's a very thought-through statement. Except for Paul the Apostle, who broke open those nations ahead of time. It was 63 years ago, 1960. Lauren and Darlene Cunningham had this vision of training youth. Very novel, very new. Nobody knew if it would work. And they called it Youth with a Mission, YWAM. Most of you are very familiar with it. We've had a very dear friendship and relationship with Lauren and Darlene and with the YWAM family across the world. Consider some of the things that have happened through the influence of the YWAM ministries over the last 63 years. Five million, well over five million, that's the last number I heard several years ago, have gone through their five-month training program. Imagine five million people, five months. Today, they have 2,000 mission bases. We have one. It's a challenge. I appreciate it, but I've won 2,000 mission bases all over the world. 30,000 full-time staff right now. That, that's today. Over the years, it was the 5 million. Just, the numbers are staggering to me. The Lord has given us a special friendship together with YWAM and you know, you can have a couple best friends, a bunch of them, but YWAM's our best friends. I mean, you don't want to just say it that way, but I think I just did. <laughs> we are so grateful, I think, of first. I mean, this is about Lauren and Darlene, but Mark and Karen Anderson, just two miles down the road. Day one, I hopped 24 years ago. They were there, and they said, we are committed to you, and we committed to pray for them. Mark has been one of all, my dearest friends and our dearest friends and been such a blessing bringing the prayer, the prayer movement and the missions movement together. And I, Andy and Holly Bird, my goodness, John and Julie Dawson, been very close to them for years. David and Christine Hamilton. And then our own. Tell about our own. Daniel and Marlise. Daniel and Marlise. On our staff for eight years, led our One Thing internship, about how many years ago they left? Two. Two. The Lord spoke. I remember they came and said, the Lord's called us to YWAM, Kona. 
And I was excited, sad, because we love them so much. They had such an impact. But I thought, this is, fan- this is perfect. And recently, a few months ago, they have chosen Daniel and Marlies to be the leaders of the Kona base, which is the kind of the mothership of the 2000 missions bases. This young couple, they're the leaders of the flagship mission base. Remarkable reality. Just mention a sentence on that before I I mean, one of the things I love about them is they, if you know them, they are fearless, both of them. I mean, they they did years of mission work in Kenya. They came here to raise their kids when they were real young, but they are so filled with a vision for missions and prayer and intimacy with God and the return of Jesus. They are us and we are them. And the Lord, I mean, set it all up strategically where they would be the leaders now of the Kona base. And and we're texting them and going, we're with you. And they're going, we're with you. I mean, it is such a joy and delight that that they are there. We love that. John Dawson, I think, is one of the premier statesmen in the body of Christ across the whole earth. Missions movement, prayer movement, Israel. John Dawson, I love you, John Dawson. Andy Bird is probably one of the, the new faces of leadership globally for the prayer and missions movement for the whole globe. He's been at Kona for years, but he's gripped incredible. Yeah. across the world. And, of course, David Hamilton is one of the smartest people we've ever met in our life. You know, he, he's, like, intense, his understanding of the Bible and our friendship with him. It's remarkable. I'm going to talk about two kind of special I- events uh, or things that have transpired. Then we're going to take a few moments, and Isaac's going to lead in prayer for them, just for grace on them and for grace on the base here in Kansas City, the YWAM base. They're real. They're, they're, everyone's grieving. Everyone's happy. This man has gone to be with the Lord finally, and is I think eighty-seven is what I think. Yeah, eighty-seven, and his wife is nearly the same age. You don't tell a woman's age, but anyway. You wouldn't know it, though. You would not know it, and the energy both of them have. But, uh, but we, there's sadness, but there's joy, but there's sadness, and he finished so well. It was back in 2000, no, in September 2016, that Mark Anderson, who leads the YWAM base down the road, again, one of our dearest friends, he hosts a gathering of many of the primary leaders across the world of YWAM of these 2,000 bases. I think 1,200 came, 1,500, I can't remember. Maybe more, maybe less. At his uh, base down the road, fantastic base, about two miles, two, three miles from here. And they had a number of meetings here in this auditorium because they wanted their leaders to be in IHOP during their three or four day, they call it YWAM together, where they brought the family to hear the word of the Lord. And in IHOP, we prayed 24 hours a day for them throughout that three or four or five days, whatever, however many days it was. And so they came to a lot of the prayer meetings, and we had meetings together here. Lauren Cunningham came up on the stage, and he said, here's one of the dreams of my heart, that we would, God would raise up a million intercessors for YWAM. He said, that's always been a dream. The Lord told me he would do it. I don't know how to make that happen. Of course, I was in my chair right back there, and I was listening to it, and so I just felt so stirred that I ran up here and talked before I really thought it through, but I know it was right. And I said, Lauren, we want to accept that challenge. And many of you were here and others, and there was a while we talked about it, and there's a, a yes and, and since that time, uh, we need lots of help with many prayer ministries around the world. Not, not IHOP doing it, 
but IHOP leading the conversation with many others to get them to lead the conversation too. We got a lot of different prayer movements I've talked to, and we've had many prayer times for YWAM on the microphone, but we got a long way to go, but we, we really want to do this. So that was 2016, and, and they've talked about that, and they came back on the stage. They were so moved about that. So our friendship went to another level after that day. Then one more uh, very tender event uh, uh, for me that I think is very significant, and then we'll take a, you make a comment or two, and then you'll lead in prayer for us. It was uh, April this year, and most of you know April is the month before the Isaiah 62 fast, where 5 million Gentiles prayed for Israel for one hour a day for 21 days. And so a couple uh, leaders got a hold of me, and they said, Lauren Cunningham needs to get on board with this, and he will. Give him a call. He's the strongest voice in the missions movement in the earth today, on question, I would say in church history, but they wouldn't say that, but I could say it boldly. There's nobody close except for Bill Bright. So I, I had a, a funny way of saying it. I said, if Lauren Cunningham is Michael Jordan and Bill Bright's Corey, how you say it? Corey? Corey. Kobe Bryant. Kobe, Thank you. Kobe I'm just not Bryant. good at basketball. <laughs> Kobe. That's, I'm trying to say, I didn't mean I to leave you it. hanging out. No, I, I was there with you. No, I, I, I'm just not good at basketball. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I meant to say. I think Corey Russell or something. Oh, no, Corey Corey Because Bill Bright is in that conversation. I, I said it. I move on. I'm talking to myself. So anyway, I, I these leaders, I go, but Lorne is on his deathbed. You know, January, February, every week I was getting emails. Lorne won't live one more week. This is January. This is February. Now it's April. I said, I'm not calling Lorne Cunningham on his deathbed to say, hey, you want to help us promote a prayer call? I go, no. They said, yes. These leaders, strong leaders and very influential ones that I greatly respect. And I said, okay, I just think it's rude. I mean, he's got, the, they said, he may not live a week more. You better call him now. I go, I just can't do that to somebody. So I sent an email. I said, Lauren, da 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 We've emailed a number of times over the years. and So that's Sunday in April. Then Monday, no response, which is fine. Tuesday, no response. Wednesday, his secretary sends an email. Lauren wants to call you tomorrow on Thursday. Oh, this, this is fantastic. He calls me one time ever. She only called me one time. We've talked many times and been together many times, but never a phone call. Lauren cutting, I go, hi, Lauren, how are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm happy. But I'm passionate about something that I want to share with you. I go, okay, wow. I go, aren't you really hurting? He goes, oh, I don't care about that. I go, but I hear you're bedridden. He goes, ah, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Let's talk about the kingdom right now. I'm going, what manner of man is this? And he said, as you know, which I have known, his big passion is that all 7,000 mother tongues of the earth would have the Bible translated in their mother tongue. About 3,000 have it, at least part of the Bible, or a few more. But there's three or 4,000 that don't even have one verse. And he has preached this for 10 years. Everyone who knows him knows that's absolutely one of his top priorities. He goes, I'm not going to be here long. He goes, I want to ask you, would you help me with this? He goes, they've got to have it in their mother tongue. And he has five reasons. I won't give that. And I go, wow, wow. Of course, I've heard him say it. 
So we talked for quite a while, and then at the end I go, thank you, yeah, I'll, I'll help you. I said, uh, how about the Isaiah 62 fast? He goes, what's that? I go, you know, the email I sent on Sunday. Like, I didn't say this, the reason you called me. <laughs> I said the email, he goes, I didn't read an email. He goes, oh, I don't do emails anymore. I go, why did you call me then? First time ever? You're on your deathbed? Why? He goes, the Holy Spirit told me, call Mike Pickle. So you know nothing about the Isaiah 60? He goes, no. So da, 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 da. And he writes a statement that gets put into the email that goes to thousands of mission leaders and pastors around the world. And many of them said, if Lauren Cunningham says this is important, and there was a huge spike in our numbers. <laughs> Not, I don't mean our numbers, IHUB. I'm talking about the Isaiah 62 team, which is the 12,000 ministries. Lauren Cunningham weighing in? And so I said, Lauren, thank you. I go, the Holy Spirit? You don't even know? He goes, yeah. He told me to call you because I know I'm going home. And he said, and the Holy Spirit told me, he said, I could trust Mike Bickle to carry this for me when I'm gone. So that's why I called you. I'm trusting you to stand with me. And I said, oh, yes. And so that's part of our mandate in the days to come. I said, you can, it'll take a while. I go, we're really locked in for the May fast, but give us a little time. And it's going to take technology, all kinds of strategies. Together with raising a million, I said, I got a lot of friends in the, in the, in the prayers movement. We, I'm going to take that. He said, the Lord said, I could trust you so I could go home in peace, knowing all these languages are going to be prayed for till it happens. Lord, we thank you for Lauren Cunningham. We thank you for Darlene. We thank you for their passion for Jesus. 63 years of this ministry. There's over 1,200 mission organizations in the world, 1,200 of them. And they, most of them receive him as the, as the apostolic father voice. We thank you that he loved them, not just YWAM. He's loved the prayer movement. And I ask for comfort in Kona. I ask for comfort in the YWAM bases. I ask for Holy Spirit dreams and visions to leaders and to the children of the families as to what you see and what you feel about Lauren Cunningham coming home at this time. And we bless you for that in Jesus' name. And I don't think it's an accident that his, this is one of his, on his deathbed, final, I don't know if final is accurate, but certainly one of his final global charges. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. He dies Friday. The war in Israel starts Saturday. I just think they're so, I don't know how they're connected, but I just think that's just something that we're pondering. Yeah. Do you want to lead us in prayer for a moment? <laughs> Yeah, I want to share just a brief dream that I had. Oh, yes. Actually, at Very good. the Kona base, it was the first time my wife and I went there. We went there to hang out with Daniel Marlies and their family. Their son, Aiden, was turning 16. So we flew out there with a couple of our kids. So my wife and I are staying at the base, and we're meeting all sorts of the YWAM leaders, and we're just having a ball. We're just enjoying. They're so like us, and there's so much overlap and, and just fun that's going on in the earth and missions and prayer and and uh, one of the nights I have a dream, and in the dream, it was real brief, in the dream, I see Jesus, and he's 
like a carpenter and he's bent down, kneeling on the ground. He's working on something, but I'm only seeing his back. I can't see his face. And he's there kneeling. And I see that he is working on bringing these two walls together. And he's pulling them together and doing all this work on it. And I can't see his face, but I can kind of see the side of his face. And I know that he's smiling. He just has so much joy in his heart as he's doing it. And he's working to bring these two walls together. He's removing all these nails and bolts or like rusty bent nails and things. And, and he's forging them together like this. And as I look, written on one of the walls, it says IHOP KC. And written on the other wall, it says YWAM. And I woke up from the dream. And I know we have years of history and connectivity to YWAM. I, we came home, my wife and I came home just with a fresh burden and zeal to pray for the missions movement in the earth, to pray for missionaries that are being sent out, that are preaching the gospel. It's one of our mandates we know as a spiritual family here. But there were two things that the Lord really highlighted to me from the dream. One was that the reality that no wall can stand alone. And there are movements and ministries and denominations all over the earth, prayer ones, missions ones, evangelism, reaching the poor. The Lord is gonna sovereignly join together all sorts of different ministries and streams because no one can stand alone in the days that are coming. We all need one another. We all have specific assignments and roles to play that the Lord has put before us. IHOP has one, YWAM has one, many, many other ministries. Everybody has a specific part to play in the eyes of the Lord. And the Lord was emphasizing to me, he's like, you need one another. This isn't just, you can't do this on your own. You can't walk out my purposes in the days ahead alone. So that was point one, is that we need one another and no wall can stand alone. The second thing is that when you create a corner like that, a, a 90 degree corner, it can bear weight above it. You can put things on it. I mean, quite literally, if you have two walls, you can establish something on top of it. And I felt like the Lord was highlighting what I wanna release in the earth and the pouring out of my spirit you have to be joined to one another to bear the weight of my presence and my glory that I'm gonna release in the earth. And I'm thinking of the Acts 2 outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I mean, the big one that we're contending for. The Holy Spirit poured out the sons and daughters, men and women, the whole body of Christ operating in a prophetic anointing with dreams and visions and revelation and being a prophetic witness of the gospel in a very troubling hour of human history and the Lord's saying, when you join together as a family, and it's not just one ministry and this ministry, it is thousands of ministries and connections that are being made. He says, you'll be able to bear the weight of the glory and the trouble that's coming upon the earth. And so I came back just so stirred and why we love you. We are so with you in this hour. We are grieving and mourning with you the loss of, of Lauren. We know that he's really, really happy, far more happy than we are right now. But, uh, but we are just so connected to, to uh, Youth with a Mission. Let's just stand for a moment. If you want to, you never have to stand. When we say stand, it's to kind of give you even a chance. Just pray a blessing over the YOM bases around the earth. Father, we love you. We come before you, Lord, as a spiritual family joined to this one in this very important hour important hour of, of that ministry and that movement and what you're doing, even as a sign of young people in the earth with missions and prayer going forth and the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Lord, we ask for your presence to increase. 
We ask for the increase of the anointing of heaven on YWAM leaders all across the globe, YWAM missionaries. We ask that your presence, the anointing of God for such a time as this would increase on them the spirit of the sovereign Lord to bring forth the good news, to set prisoners free, to preach the favorable year of the Lord. We ask that it would increase upon them, young and old. We ask for out-of-the-way places overseas. We ask for places where the gospel is being resisted, where it's illegal to be a Christian. Lord, that you would strengthen them with all might and with all boldness, Lord, for such a time as this. We ask, Lord, that you would comfort those that are mourning, that you would be with Darlene, that you would be with the various leaders that are shouldering the burden and picking up this mantle, even of what Lauren saw those many, many years ago of the waves of the ocean representing young people that were washing up on all the continents and receding and washing up and receding. We ask you, Lord, that there would be a season of the increase, the washing up, that laborers would be sent forth into the harvest. That's what we pray as intercessors. Lord of the harvest, raise up laborers to go into the harvest for such a time as this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Just take a minute and stretch for a second because we're going to shift gears now and talk about Israel. It's a very different subject. So just I'll give you 30 seconds. To, yeah, there you go. Well, most of you are very aware of a war that has been declared in Israel and around Israel yesterday. This happened so suddenly. This morning I was watching YouTube, early, early morning, YouTube uh, reports, five minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes, those little things. And you have Netanyahu saying, This is war. This is not a a conflict for a moment. This is a long-term intensified response. Not long, because they've had a few over the last 75 years of the seasons. It's very dangerous, but they do missiles back and forth. And then they quit after a couple weeks. It's like, ugh. Like the Intifada. Some of those happened in 2001. But they, they were temporary. He says, this will be prolonged and intense. Then they show the other guy in different uh, broadcasts, what is your response? He goes, we're going to show Israel we're here, and we mean it until it all changes. We're not backing down. We're intensifying. And, of course, the multi-leveled attack of Hamas, which is a terrorist organization. There's two terrorist organizations, Hamas and Hezbollah. And the Hamas has this coordinated five or 10 prong attack, which means there's been months of training. And somebody, many are criticizing the Israeli intelligence. If they planned it that long, that carefully on 10 prongs, whatever the number is, how did you miss it? That's not my concern who missed it. My concern is that's how set that Hamas has been And, of course, we know that it's Iran is the one behind it, the resource behind it, the inspiration behind it, and Hamas and Hezbollah, they're proxies for Iran. This is actually an attack of Iran. 
who's on the fast. What's that? Said, whispered at you. Let me say something. Oh, this. yes. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean to interrupt, but <laughs> but just real quick. No, no, one no. one study reported that since 2012. Iran has backed, I think it's Hamas or Hezbollah, I think it's Hezbollah, has funded them $700 million a year. So the, the, the funding of these terrorist organizations, the funding of these activities is all connected to Iran's wealth, which our U.S. government just recently released, I think, $6 billion in, in frozen assets. A week ago. A week ago. And then a week later, there are these uh, uh, terrorists that are actively going to war in Israel. And so this and the is complaint all... two years ago from the conservatives, if you release money to Iran, it's going straight to Hamas. Yeah. And no, they won't do it. Well, the money was released $6 billion and Hamas tacked today, but they've been planning it for a while because they knew the money was coming, undoubtedly. But I don't, I'm not trying to figure out who did it bad. I'm talking about the intentionality and the resolve. That's the part I'm locked in on. Let's look at Zechariah. I got three verses to look at. We'll look at them real brief. Make a few more comments and then pray. And by the way, uh, you can pray anytime you want at any one of our, prayer, of our intercessory prayer uh, meetings for Israel. No matter what other theme other people are talking about, you're always free to do this. I was at IHOP all day yesterday, and every prayer was for Israel. So they, no one need tipped off. And you, we don't have to make everyone, but if they are, they are. This is really important. I want you to see the end game. Zechariah chapter 14, verse 1. Most of you are familiar with this. Zechariah 14, let's put it on the screen here. This is the Lord speaking. He says this. He goes, the day of the Lord is coming where I, the God of Israel, confusing at first, I will gather the nations to battle against Jerusalem. You will? Yeah, because many implications. That will be a context. I'll do many other things. That's not my point to go into that. Then we know Revelation 16, the, the Armageddon uh, passage, where Satan gathers all the kings to Israel. So who is it? It's both. Very different motives, very different spirit behind it, very different outcomes. But God knows this will be a context that will actually bring the salvation of Israel and even the transformation of the end-time church and a bunch of other things with an outpouring. That's too much information for, for right now. But my point is, this is where it's going. This surge of hostility, it might have a reprieve or two. Actually, it will. There will be a moment of peace that's still in the biblical uh, narrative. There will be a, a false peace in Israel for three and a half years, a couple years down, whenever it is. So it will look like the problem's going to get solved, but it's going to be a very temporary false peace. But that's again beyond really what, what we want to do today. But I want you to know the, the hostility is going to really escalate. Number two, look at Revelation 12. Revelation 12. Wait till they get it up there. Revelation 12 is not so familiar to everyone, but it needs to be. This is the passage, because it's got symbolic language, but the symbolism is made really clear. It's talking about a dragon and a woman. The dragon is clear, it says it, is the devil. The woman is clearly Israel. There's no question about it. Revelation 12 tells us Satan's rage against Israel is going to escalate 
beyond any time in history in the final years before the Lord returns. There's a raging escalation. Verse 7, here's the great pull back the veil we see behind the scenes. John sees this 2,000 years ago, this vision. A war broke out in the heavenly realm. Michael the archangel and all of his angels, if you read the whole text, fought against Satan called the dragon and all of Satan's demons that are in the atmosphere in the heavenly places, the mid-heavens. The net result is that Michael cast down Satan to the earth and all the demons cast down to the earth. It's verse nine. Then a loud voice declared in heaven. This is, read the whole thing. I don't have it here. This is the hour where the power of God is gonna break forth in the earthly realm way beyond the book of Acts. Because Satan is cast down to the earth, but he's cast down as an accuser. And as an accuser, he's going to go attack Israel. A couple of really quick points. Number one, when Satan's cast down from the heavenly realm, he's, that's actually, he loses his position of advantage. He can hinder angels' involvement with the church by his position in the heavenly with demonic principalities that I believe are over every city and every nation. He loses his position of advantage by being cast down. That's why there's an open heaven over the church. The glory of God comes on the church. This is yet future. This is the final three and a half years. But when Satan is cast down, we understand his most, his, his primary weapon is not murder. That's like his second weapon. His primary weapon is not murder. It's not even uh, uh, sexual perversion. That's one of his, his deals. Not even uh, just deception of doctrines, that is too. His primary weapon is accusation. This dragon breathing on the minds of people with supernatural ability to cause reasonable people to have really strange thoughts that he's inspired. He'll take even whispered innuendos and turn them into hostile accusations. Israel against Israel, church against church, family member against family member, Muslim against Muslim. At every level of society, he will show his most effective weapon is going to be openly seen. He's doing it now. The accuser, supernatural ability to get sound-minded people to buy into false narratives and be energized and attack each other. That's what he will do. And then he's going after Israel with that attack. One more passage. Daniel chapter 10. This passage I just read in Revelation 12, which you really want to get a little familiar with it. You don't have to be an expert, but get familiar with it. It's based on what happened in Daniel 12. In Daniel 12, Daniel the prophet, he's 84 years old. Jerusalem is in trouble. He sets his heart to fast and pray for a breakthrough of angels, angel activity, power of God, Holy Spirit, angel activity, all working together for Jerusalem. It's 84-year-old man. He's praying one week, nothing happens. He's praying two weeks, nothing happens. Three weeks, nothing happens. And that surprises him because he's had a number of open visions and heavenly encounters. What's going on? Verse 12. This mighty angel 
appears to him on the 21st day. He says, Daniel, from the very first day that you prayed, the Father commissioned me to come. I was sent to you, day one, like the other times you prayed and mighty angels appeared. But, he goes, your words were heard. I was sent, verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia, he stood against me. Now, this is not talking about the earthly prince of Persia. This is talking about the demonic principality over Persia. I assume every nation, every major city, probably, every, has a principal, demonic principality assigned to them to disrupt them in the unique way. Every city has a different assignment, demonic assignment, and every city has a different divine assignment. And there's angels assigned to every human being and angels assigned to every city. There's a war in the heavens. On day 21, this angel's trying to get through to Daniel, but this principality is actually mightier than the angel. And Daniel's praying, praying, praying. Finally, Michael, the archangel, the great warring angel for Israel, the most mighty angel, I assume, he comes, moves the demonic principality of Persia out of the way. So this other angel, very mighty angel, he comes to Daniel and says, Michael, because of your prayers, he got involved. That's why I broke through, and the demon was pushed back. He can't hinder me right now. Now, Persia, as you know, is modern-day Iran. And Daniel 10 was 2,500 years ago. Persia has only been a world power two times in 6,000 years of recorded human history. Two times. The generation of Daniel and right now. Two times only in 6,000 years of history. Iran is now a world power because of Russia and China. Without them, they wouldn't be. They'd be dangerous for sure. And now they have a nuclear weapon. There, there are a few dots connecting a few dots from it being activated because they get activated. Every, a bunch will know so they can activate it real soon. The nuclear weapon's there. And they said, we are going to destroy Israel with it. That's already in the rhetoric. But they're doing the Hamas, Hezbollah at proxies attacks right now. What happened in, in Isaiah 62 fast, May of this year, 21 days, Something remarkable happened. Five million Gentiles did the Daniel 10 thing. Daniel did it alone, as far as we know, 2,500 years ago, 5, 000, 5 million people. 12,000 ministries signed up, said, we will mobilize the people in our nation, in our language. 100, nation, 100 languages translated it into their language. 120 nations. We will mobilize for 21 days, an hour a day at least. Remarkable. So I asked the guys in Israel who know a lot, I said, has ever been a time where 10,000 Gentiles prayed for Israel for 10 straight days? Never. Not that we know of. I asked the prayer movement historians. There's some really smart guys that got all the data of the prayer movement through history. They go, nothing close. So I'm thinking, what is going to happen if 5 million do the Daniel thing? The principality is going to be disrupted. So in April, this is a few weeks before the fast starts, we're at the 1 million have said yes. I don't know it's going to go to 5 million, but at the 1 million, I talked to a number of leaders. I said, 
Remember back in 1984, and I won't go into this story because many of you know it, some of you don't, it doesn't matter right now. When Michael the Archangel made a momentary visit related to this movement here in Kansas City, and Michael the Archangel revealed dragon as a black horse, and he said with his mouth, when you go to the east, he will strike you with the rage of Satan, this black horse will. That is so odd. And you could go to our website and check out two or three titles that have black horse if you want to hear the story. That's not my point, to tell that story. But in April, I said, five, a million intercessors, it became five million? We're going to the east. The rage of that accuser and that murderer, he's not only an accuser, he's a murderer. And he's perverse beyond anything we could imagine. And those other things too. So don't think it's only accusation. I said, after May, we're going to see the rage of Satan. I think it may be a couple years from now. I don't know. It's going to attack us. We've got a few incidences in history. It's going to attack the people who engaged in this in a real deep way. But there's an answer to the attack because the Lord will answer it. So we don't go, oh, no, attack, I quit. No, the Lord says, no, I'm going to answer I got Michael on the other. I got the Holy Spirit on this thing. But it's going to attack the rage of Satan. It's going to attack Israel too. Alan Hood, and I'll be done with this, and then Isaac will make a few comments, made a comment some years ago. I'm not quoting it exactly right, but it was a new idea to me. Maybe it's 15 years ago. I don't remember. Alan Hood is one of my dearest friends, and I'm one of the best Bible teachers in the land, actually. And he said on this platform, he goes, something like this. I probably got it wrong. He said, we think that World War III will break out, and I think World War III is the, is the end game of this before the counterfeit peace and safety settles it, and then the Antichrist empire after the counterfeit peace and safety. So there's a couple stages in the biblical narrative. But he said, we, but the Third World War is coming, and I believe it's all connected to these kinds of things. And he said, we think the prayer movement will stop the Third World War, Something like this. I'm sure, Alan, I'm going to get it wrong. The prayer movement's going to be part of the catalyst that causes the Third World War. Like, what? Because it will stir up angelic activity. It'll stir up agitation. That's the wrong word. And the mnemonic realm. And the rage will increase. God has an answer for it. But the prayer actually releases these things as well as provides answers. So prayer does both. I thought, oh, wow, let me think on that. And, and that's too big of a statement to say so quick, but it does both. It releases the peace. It releases the angels. It stirs up. It's catalytic to a conflict in the spirit realm. But we know at the end of the age, this thing is going to come to a full-blown explosion of Michael. Why is Michael going to cast Satan down? Not the principality of, of Iran, Satan because there's a global prayer movement across the earth doing the Daniel 10 fast. And they're doing it for Israel. We had a 5 million down payment. And this is not our final assignment or the biggest attack we're going to have, even though it may be a few years before we see that attack. There's, we got more assignments and more attacks. And so we're not concerned by the attacks. I don't like attacks. We're concerned with obedience. We want to be in that Daniel stage. Michael is thinking, I'm not doing it till I hear the prayers of Daniel, not just Daniel 10 prayers. I got to hear the prayers before the Father will release me at this level. 
That's the global end time prayer movement. And that's what we're involved with thousands of other ministries for such a time as this. I'm thinking of when, when Daniel prays, it causes conflict to escalate in the heavens. And I think that's an important principle for us to understand is that through anointed prayer and intercession, there's the increase of conflict. It's not because we're praying or asking God for conflict. We're praying the apostolic prayers. The opposite. We're praying for peace. We're praying for mercy. We're praying for the relenting of harm. So don't get the idea that we're going to pray for more conflict to happen. But as we pray, conflict will happen. It's inevitable because heaven invades the earth. And whenever there's a collision of power in the supernatural realm, there is conflict that manifests on the earth. A lot of people, when you start praying for your marriage, there's a pastoral point. We start praying for your marriage. We start praying for family. Conflict will increase first before it can be dealt with. And so I'm looking at something is hitting me from Daniel 10, that as Daniel prays, Michael is, or Michael arises and he's holding back the prince of Persia, but there's gonna be conflict between Persia and Babylon, or Persia and Babylon, but Persia and Greece in the days ahead, because he says in verse 20 that the prince of Greece is about to come. That's another demonic principality. And what's interesting is that between Persia and Greece, what happens in the earth is that the Lord establishes the house of prayer. He rebuilds the house of prayer. And I'm wondering that if in times of conflict like we're seeing and the rise of global conflict, that it's the Lord getting the attention of the body of Christ in intercession. It's how he wakes up his people. And the global permit goes to a whole nother level when there's conflict in the heavens and then conflict on the earth. So anyways. But I, I, I don't want us to lose the point I didn't put up there. When Michael cast down Satan, the voice and now the power of God and the salvation that's released across the earth, the saints that will operate in a spirit of power and revival so far beyond the book of Acts. They'll be doing the miracles of Moses in Exodus. The miracles of the book of Acts will be combined and multiplied. So this conflict is real, but the power surged. And even that short visitation that Michael had, very just a minute or two or three, whatever, not like you time it, but... But he shows that the God vindicates and releases power. So we're not looking going, oh, it's Satan raging. No, if we take a stand as the Lord's bondservant, Satan is going to rage. But power is going to answer the rage. Our point today, this is the one, then we'll just pray. We'll end with this. Our point today. Some this, the worship team come up. This worship team, yes, excellent. This is an hour to settle in our soul to go deep in God. We have to, this is like, well, I want to try to avoid this. No, there's no out. We want to be in, the, in a company, and there'll be thousands of them, not just here, that will have power because we're, we're leaning into it with Jesus into the battle. We're not retreating in fear. We're actually advancing knowing all the apostles knew most of them would get killed, actually. Jesus told them they would. And they ran into the battle because of the glory of God. And so this is an hour for us to say, you know, we got some unsettled issues here and there. Let's settle them. Let's determine together that we're going to run forward into the prayer movement. I don't mean everybody leaves their, their job and do the prayer movement. That, that's not what I'm talking about. Because there's a hundred ways to do prayer. 
but we're going to respond to one another in kingdom of God ways. We're going to use our money in kingdom of God ways. We're going to use our influence in kingdom of God ways, not semi-kingdom. We're going to new resolve for 100% faithfulness. Let's just stand before the Lord. And again, whenever we say that, you don't want to just stay seated. <laughs> we're just going to take a moment, and then we have prayer meetings all day today, all day tomorrow. All day the next day. We got lots of time to do this. And by the way, we got lots of folks around the world that are doing the same thing here. Lots of ministries are doing this very thing today and this week and next week. But this thing's going to escalate to a huge global conflict, even though there might be a reprieve or two. Father, here we stand before you. I pray Psalm 102, verse 12. I say, arise, O God, and have mercy on the city of Jerusalem. Arise, that means God intervene in the earthly realm. That's what arise means when you pray it. Arise, intervene in the earthly realm, Abba. And have mercy on Jerusalem. He said in verse 16, you will appear in your glory to even unbelievers in Jerusalem and beyond. I ask you to appear in your glory to Jewish people who do not know Yeshua. Appear in your glory to Arabs that don't know Yeshua, to Muslims, to the international community in the land for other reasons. Appear in your glory. And God, we ask for miracles. We ask for peace. We ask for safety. We say, grace, 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 grace over all the ten, near 10 million. Nine million plus in Israel, Arabs, Jews, the international community, believers, unbelievers, perverted people, angry people, murderers people. Grace, appear in your mercy. Bring salvation to multitudes in Israel. And God, I ask you to touch the families today, this week, of the believers, the Arab believers, the Jewish believers, the international uh, ministries, those kids that are 10 and 12 and 14, 6 and 8, that are confused, bewildered, that are being persecuted by everyone around them for standing for Yeshua, their family. Visit those children, though, I ask. Cause this to be a week of visitation on lots of children of Messianic believers in the land. And we ask you in Jesus' name. Release visitation, Lord. Open up the eyes of the hearts of the young people in the land. I think of our friends that have children. Some are believers, some are not believers. In the knowledge of you, the knowledge are being persecuted by other Jews, these Jewish believers. Arise and visit these children. Visit the children of Israel. I ask for healing on injured bodies on both sides of the conflict. That in the name of Jesus, bodies would be healed of unbelievers on both sides of the conflict. Thank you for tuning in to Sunday Sermon. For more information, service times, and free teaching resources, visit forerunnerchurch.com.